Internet. This is Linda. And this is Glenn. And you're listening to Preparing Our Hearts for Worship. As always, it's nice to have you here with us. We love our listeners and appreciate having you in our audience. We trust you had a great Christmas. We certainly did. This Christmas weekend, Forgiven presented a Christmas carol program to three of our assisted living sinners. It warmed our hearts and blessed our lives and wore out our bodies, and every second was a joy. Our, list, our listeners enjoyed it so much, and we just loved, uh, loved on them a bit and see their eyes light up and their bright smiles come on their faces. And many cried with joy. It was, in fact, a truly joyous time at all the places we served. We're running down the year again, and it's so fast. The year went by so quick. Behold, they are glass, the proverb says, and how quickly the sand doth move. And so it does. Time is marching on. The New Year's celebration is upon us, and we usher in 2024. And we wish you a very happy New Year. So many of the years of my life, I struggled with a topic covered in our song this week, and I've learned all of God's children tend to walk through this in some extent, some more than others. In John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Just how do we describe this abundant life Jesus was talking about? And how do we live it? Our song says, I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. And the chorus says, Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord to the cross where thou hast died, drawing nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend when I kneel in prayer and with thee my God I commune as friend with friend there are depths of love that I yet may know ere thy face to face I see there are heights of joy that I yet to reach ere I rest in peace with thee now let's listen to Forgiven Do Draw Me Near. <laughs> I 
blessed Lord To the cross where thou hast died Draw me nearward, nearward, nearer Blessed Lord to thy precious bleeding side There are depths of love that I cannot know Till I cross the narrow sea of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Our song, Draw Me Nearer, is a prayer celebrating the joy of faith and the desire for even deeper faith. Blind at six weeks of age, Crosby began composing texts at age six. At 12, she began her study at the New York School for the Blind, a school she later served as a teacher and an advocate for the blind cause. Her texts were set to the compositions of some of the most prominent gospel song composers of the day, including William Bradbury, William Dole, Robert Lowry, and Ira Sankey. One evening when she and Don in Cincinnati talked at length about the nearness of God in their lives, when Fanny went to her room, her mind and heart were flooded with ideas from their conversation. Before she went to sleep, the lines of Draw Me Nearer were in her mind. The next morning she recited the words to Doan, who wrote down the stanzas and composed the tune. The text appeared with the following inscription from Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Stanza 3 defines the relationship further as one forged in prayer. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. In the final stanza, Crosby acknowledges that her relationship will not be complete until she has reached heaven, crossed the narrow sea, and she will find rest and peace with thee. The refrain is a theological hub around which the spokes of the stanzas all connect. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. In this case, it is Christ's blood that cleanses and perfects the relationship. It has also been reported that Fanny Crosby, though blind, had a sunset described to her in words before writing the lyrics. Don was a successful businessman who served as the president of a Cincinnati company that produced woodworking machines. While he enjoyed his business, Doan enjoyed Christian music even more. During his lifetime, he composed the music for hundreds of hymns and edited a number of hymn collections. Crosby's story was even more dramatic. Blinded in infancy, she had the good fortune to have a grandmother and a caretaker who dedicated themselves to having her memorize the Bible. They assigned weekly goals for memorization and drilled Crosby to help her reach those goals. And she did write over 8,500 hymns and gospel songs in total to include many of the old favorites that are still found in many hymnals a century after her death. Thank you for that history, Linda. This week, I want to talk to you about living the abundant life in Christ. That's living a life that allows one to receive all the blessings God has for us. What is this abundant life? I struggled a lot of my Christian life understanding the facet of this Christian living. I knew Christians were saved once and for all, and I did not believe in a second blessing, as some do, yet a special spiritual baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. While it was prevalent in apostolic times, it's not seen today like it was in the upper room. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I got saved. 
I was active in the Campus Crusade for Christ. We used the four spiritual laws to witness to the lost. And we were furnished with a track with the steps for the abundant life in it. I, it seemed to me to be just a plan for the people who were backslidden and needed to recommit their life to Christ. Since then, I've learned you can't rededicate dead flesh, and Christ has made that part of me dead once and for all. But I had these inevitable ups and downs in my spiritual walk in life. I so much wondered, what is the secret to the abundant life? I know that being a Christian doesn't mean our lives will all be happy and problem-free. The question would continue to almost mock me. I have heard a, uh, uh, I, I'll, I'll have a hard day and a little voice in the back of my mind will say, abundant life? Hmm. If that's what abundant life looks like, I sure would want to see a non-abundant life. Let me illustrate this way. Is your life full of joy that someone would leave a life of sin to live a life like yours? Do I know what peace really looks like? Do you live like you have hope? Or do you have a miserable and grumpy countenance most of the time? Have you discovered the key to abundant life? I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. And the answers are in God's word. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and might have it abundantly in John 10.10. He also said, the way of eternal life is through faith in Jesus Christ as our personal savior. In John 3.15. But don't stop here. To have eternal life. But there's more. Christ came that you might have life abundantly. All believers have life. But not all have abundant life. Are you living beneath your privilege? If you're a believer and not enjoying the abundant life. You are. For life to be abundant, it must have resources. And the only unlimited source of life is the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We see that in John 14, 6. To possess this fuller, the believer must abide in him, as we read in John 15, 1, 5. 5. Dynamic abundant living is not for just a few. It's the norm for all believers. It is, you know, it, it, it is spiritual life in death, depth. And without it, the Christian life becomes empty and meaningless. If you don't have abundant life within you, you will soon yield to a carnal or fleshly life around you. We see that in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 1, 4. The carnal life is a circumstance controlled. The abundant life is Holy Spirit controlled. The carnal Christian life leads to defeat. The abundant life leads to victory in Christ. We seem to know everything about life except how to live it abundantly. Why should we be satisfied with anything less than God's best, living life abundantly? Dwight L. Moody told a story about a little boy I'd like to relate here. He lived far out in the country in the late 1800s. And when he reached the age of 12, he'd never seen in all his life, a circus. Can you imagine the excitement when one day 
a poster went up at school announcing that next Saturday a traveling circus would be coming to a nearby town. He ran home with the glad news and a question to his daddy, Daddy, can I go? Although the family was poor, the father sensed how important it was to the boy. He said, if you do your chores before Saturday and ahead of time, I'll see that you have the money to go. Well, come Saturday morning, the chores were done, and the boy stood by the breakfast table dressed at his Sunday best. His father reached down into the pocket of his overhauls and pulled out an old worn-out dollar bill. That's the most money the boy had ever possessed at one time in his whole life. The father cautioned him to be careful and then sent him on his way to town. The boy was so excited his feet could hardly seem to touch the ground all the way. As he neared the outskirts of the village, he noticed people lining up in the street and he walked his way through the crowd and, until he could see what was happening. And lo and behold, it was circus parade. The parade was the grandest thing the boy had ever seen. There were caged animals snarling as they passed. Bands beat their rhythm and sounded shining horns. Midgets performed acrobatics, while flags of ribbons swirled overhead. Finally, after everything had passed where he was standing, the traditional clown with his floppy shoes, baggy pants, and brightly painted face brought up a rear. As the clown passed by the little boy, the little boy reached into his pocket and took out his precious dollar bill, handed the money to the clown. Then the boy turned around and ran home. The boy thought he'd seen the circus, but he'd only seen the parade. Are you experiencing all that God has for you? The Christian life is a marvelous adventure and exciting journey. Be sure you enjoy the abundant life that Jesus promised. Our faith is not just about external life in paradise. It's about a day-by-day walk with our risen Savior. The abundant life is a yielded life. Romans 6, 10, 13 says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also also reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive in God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God, being alive from the dead in your members as an instrument of righteousness to God. How to live the abundant life is no secret. It is revealed in our Savior's Lord Jesus Christ, he said. For the death that I died, he died in sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In verse 10, we see faith that saves identifies you with Christ in his death. This is eternal life. Faith that yields identifies you as Christ in his resurrection in the abundant life. Read Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It's one thing to have eternal life by faith. It's a quite another thing to have abundant life by faith. It's one thing for you to become the right, righteousness of God in him, as we saw in 2 Corinthians 5.21 It's another thing for you to realize his righteousness in life, righteous life in you. 1 John 
3.7 says that. It's one thing for you to live in Christ, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it's another thing for Christ to live his life through you. Colossians 1.27. In verse 13, the believer has a choice. He may yield to God by faith and enjoy the abundant life, or he may yield to sin and endure a defeated life. Revelations 3.1 says, God would have you know the power of a yielded life. It will lift you above circumstance that circumvent abundant living. The abundant life begins when you yield to him as master, allowing him to live his life through you by faith. Something else, abundant life is a life of service. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the worlds, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To live abundantly, you must serve the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself become an example. He served all the way to Calvary, and there he was the abundant servant obedient servant, I mean. Obedient to the point of death and even death on the cross as we see in Philippians 2, 7 and 8. In verse 1 and 2, the believer is urged to take the necessary steps for abundant life. You are to present this volitional surrender to the perfect will of God. Even though you may not know God's perfect will for your life, it's your part to act of faith, as we see in John 7, 17. You are to present your bodies. God must control the use of the whole man. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole man was redeemed on the cross and sanctified, set apart for service as we read in Thessalonians 5.23. You are to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. This is exemplified in the life of the Apostle Paul, we said he was living a sacrifice. In life, he was a servant of Christ in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. In battle, he was a warrior, Ephesians 6, 10 and 18. In the will of God, he was a prisoner of Christ Jesus, Ephesians 3, 1. These words were spoken to a Roman prisoner. He never referred to himself as a prisoner of Rome, but the apostle, uh, to the apostle, prison was a part of the perfect will of God. With this conviction, he lived abundantly as we read in Philippians 1 and 12. In death, he was, he was victorious. Check Timothy 4, 7 and 8. You have been transformed, changed by the fire of God and no longer conformed to this world. But now you can be conformed to the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and the abundant living. The abundant life is a separate, separated life. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated, the, uh, separated to the gospel of God. Separation is both positive and negative. To, you are to be set apart for the gospel of God. This is a positive in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. And you are to come out of anything that is contrary to the perfect will of God. 
Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.17. This is the negative. To be separated means to be sanctified, set apart for salvation and service. The word of God has the power to separate the believer from sin. See John 17.17. 17, 17, 17. And also Psalms 119.11. God the Father has the power to separate the believer to the coming out of our Lord Jesus Christ. See Thessalonians 5.23. God the Son has the power to separate the believer to righteousness, having no spot or wrinkle. Ephesians 5, 24 through 27. God, the Holy Spirit, has the power to separate the believer unto salvation and service. See Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. Without being separated, you can have a relationship with God, but you can't have fellowship with him. You may be united to him, in Calvary, but separated to him in sin. See Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Without separation, you can have influence without power, motivation without achievement. You may try, but not trust, serve, but not succeed, war and not win. Without separation to God from sin, the whole Christian life will be wood, hay, and straw. The abundant life is made possible by death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's made a reality by being separated unto him. The abundant life is a spirit-filled life, as we read in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things that God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. You may be immature, weak, and imperfect, but if you have been born again of the Spirit, as we see in John 3, 7, He dwells in you, as we see in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and Romans 8, 9. It is one thing for you to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, but does the Holy Spirit have you that he may fill you with abundant life? The abundant life is not found in our environment or circumstances or in the things that we may possess. It's found in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians 5, 18. It's a command. You may be, you, you may be filled many times. Read Acts 2, 4 and Acts 4, 31. The apostles that were filled in Acts chapter 2 were filled again in Acts chapter 4. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be spirit-possessed. Spirit-empowered, Spirit-led, and Spirit-controlled. Read Acts, 26 through, Acts 8, 26 through 40. Are you filled with Spirit that you might have joy that we find in Ephesians 5, 19 and 20? You are filled with the Spirit for service, Acts 3, 6, and Acts 11, 22 through 24. You are filled with the Spirit for power to be witnesses, see Acts 1.8 and Acts 2.4.7. You are filled to be with the Spirit for hour of, present, of persecution, 
and that will come. See Acts 7, 54 through 60. You are filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit that you may walk by the Spirit. See Galatians 5, 16 through 26. If you are filled with the Spirit, you may be led by the Spirit. Romans 18 and 14. How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? First, you must desire Him to fill you. Second, you must ask Him to fill you. Third, you must believe that He does fill you. See John 4, 14 and John 7, 37 through 38. The abundant life is a mature life. We read that in uh, 2 Peter 2, 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is read in 2 Peter 3, 18. The scripture reveals four stages of our spiritual growth as in the Christian life. The baby stage, uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4, we read about the baby st uh, stage. A baby thinks only of itself, and if denied things desired, it'll rise up in a rumpus. It seeks its own. Its feelings are easy, hurt, and often jealous. A baby lives to be served. It never serves. It drinks milk and cannot eat strong meat. It cries but never sings. It tries to talk but never makes sense. These infant characteristics are so prominent in the lives of so many church members. They have born into the family of God, but they have failed to develop spiritually. They are spiritual babies and carnal Christians. The next stage we find in 1 John 2, 12, and it's the little child stage. Some Christians grow to be little children spiritually, but they stop there. Here are some of the characteristics of little children. They're often untruthful, envious, and cruel. If rebuked, they become martyrs. If crossed, they become resentful and often make a scene. They are tale-bearers, repeating everything they hear. In adults, that's called gossip. They are given to emotional outbursts and are easily puffed up. They love praise and will, expect it, will accept it from any source. They seek only things that, self, that appeal to self. Are you a spiritual child? In 1 John 2.13, we read about the young man stage. Spiritual wealth to the young man is not reached by many. He is strong and viral and will be able to overcome his enemy. He has a vision for the future and the faith courage to tackle it. He is preparing for his productive years. You too could become a, man, a young man spiritually by doing away with childish things as we read in 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. Now, the father stage we read about in 1 John 2.13. This stage of, of, of spiritual development can be reached by all, but only a few attain it. The spiritual father has peace with God. We read that in Romans 1, 5, 1, I mean. He knows the peace of God. See Philippians 4, 7. He rejoices in his spiritual children. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19, and 1 Timothy 1 and 2. He has learned contentment under all circumstances. Philippians 4, 11. He knows only one source of true strength. Philippians 4, 13. 
He does not brood over past, but he looks to the future. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He knows that all things work together in his life for his eternal good. Romans 8, 28. He enjoys the abundant life and will enjoy it in the life to come. Ephesians 2 and 7. Our scripture this week reads, A thief cometh not, but to steal and kill and destroy. I come that that they may have have life and that they may have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. When we study through the uh, 10th chapter of John, we notice that Jesus is contrasting himself with a thief and robber. The thief and robber is one that doesn't enter by the the gate, but he climbs up and finds some other way in. We see that in verse 1. The shepherd enters by the gate, let in by the gatekeeper, whom we assume is God the Father. See that in verses 2 and 3. Clear back in ancient history, we see the first struggle between the thief and the creator of the universe. The struggle for souls of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, my Father, my Heavenly Father, has had a plan since eternity past, which I can't even fathom. And that plan centers on you and me. Yet the battle rages over us. You can see in Ephesians 6, 10, and 18. Our enemy passionately wants our death and destruction, and he's willing to lie, cheat, and violently oppose us to achieve it. Folks, this is not a fictitious battle. It's real. It's physical, which explains the ravages of sin in our physical bodies as it fights for for life daily. It's mental. Ephesians 6 tells us that the battle for our minds and thoughts is uh, its a battle for our mind and thoughts. It's spiritual as a consequence of this battle will result in the eternal damnation of billions of souls. But Jesus, our good shepherd, has come that we might have life. My friend, John 10.10 says, and if we read the Schofield notes associated with that chap with that verse, the word eternal, that verse he referenced uh, with life, notice they were talking about Christ being life. <clears throat> In reading, we see Christ who sent was sent to us to give life, his life. We get eternal life through him and have abundant life in having more of him. That is so good. To have abundant life is to have more of Christ. The thief would never give his life for us. In fact, John 10, 12, and 13 says he runs away at the first sign of danger because he cares nothing for his sheep. Oh, the wondrous love of Jesus Christ how he cares for me. See Ezekiel 34. There's a passage there that's akin to John 10. And it says that my good shepherd will look after me, rescue me, tend me, feed me, search me, bring me back, bind me up, strengthen me, bless me, and he sends me showers of blessings. (laughs) What does the Bible say about this? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I'll give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. John 10, 
27 and 13. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to me except, cometh to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Just as the result of one trespass was a condemnation of all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. Just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many were made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but were sins increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also might reign grace might reign grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord Romans five eighteen through seventeen eighteen through twenty one I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us a great and precious promise so that through them, you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Therefore, my brother, by all the more, be all the more eager to make your calling of election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter one, three through four and ten through eleven. Now today, I know we've covered a lot of scriptures, and they are so important in the discovery of the secret to abundant life. I have learned these truths later in, in years of my life. The main key to abundant life is obedience. We need to find out what God wants us to do and begin doing it. It involves service. It involves giving your time and resources. It involves releasing your will to His. It involves prayer. It involves Bible study, and as you pray, God will answer your prayer through understanding of his words, see James 1.5. It will require you to sit and meditate, pray, and listen to the Holy Spirit within you for direction. You'll sense it. I promise you this, Satan does not want you to have this. He'll do anything and everything to feed us a and sidetrack us from this endeavor. There was a general, a, a, a gentle Swedish girl in Germany, living uh, a, 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 of German descent, living in the uppermost parts of, of America. Uh, and <clears throat> and she said this: "I have no blood of Abraham cruising through my veins, no godly seed of Seth, or any of those mentioned in Hebrews 11." I have pagan roots and a sinful nature to match. Yet he sought for me. He chased after me. Isn't that wonderful? Some final scriptures. I have other sheep that are not on this sheep, not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will hear my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd, John 10, 16. My prayer is not my, for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who may believe 
through their message that all of them might be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. John 7, 20 through 21. You see, Jesus was praying for us. Jesus said to his disciples, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Mark 16, 15. Also, I do not want you to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers, so you might not be conceited. He's speaking to the Jews. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. The full number of the Gentiles has to come in. He's talking about us. Romans eleven twelve. God raised up the Christ and settled us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages, our age, he might show the incorruptible riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Jesus consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become the dwelling of God that lives by his spirit in you. Ephesians 2, 6 through, 6 through 7 and 19 through 21. Can you see this? You too are the dwelling of God. God lives by this in His Spirit in you. Wow! He lives in me. Christ lives in me. His abundance is filling me. Even on bad days, His peace lives within me. When I fall, He stands with me. And when I'm weak, He's strong. When I sin, He he is my righteousness. I am simply his dwelling, a jar of clay, which the glory of goal of eternal God lives. We have the, here's the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have the treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power in God is not from us. The abundant life is a lot to think about, isn't it? I encourage you to look up these passages of scriptures that I've quoted and covered today. Meditate on them and let the words fill you. In final, I'd like to say, my friends, I care about you. I want to share this wonderful life with you. I want you to have it. God wants you to have it. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and nothing else, I invite you to do it today. God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. He died on the cross for you. Receive his free gift of salvation today and you too will have access to the abundant life. Thanks folks for listening this long session but it was important if you'd like to talk more to me about it you can email me glenn.dawson at twc or glenn at saxy music god has been gracious to allow us this podcast and we are thankful for this even though we did not ask anyone for money we have had help from our audience when we do our when we sing our songs online and they're played, we receive a small streaming royalty of a nickel. So we want to say thank you for that, listening to our songs, that is, because that adds up. As you listen to our music while you are traveling or working around the house or whatever you're doing, we trust you enjoy the music and pray it's a spiritual blessing to you. Remember, you are helping keep our ministry going just by listening. Now, if you don't have a paid service for streaming already, 
You can listen to our service, our, our, our music for free. Just tune on our YouTube audio channel. It's at https forward forward www.youtube.forward slash the at symbols. We are forgiven. You can listen to over 170 songs. Also there we have our video, uh, video service that we have. And you can just see the fun things that we do in our normal life. If you have Alexa or Echo, just say, play the music of Glenn Dawson and listen as long as you like for free. If you're not getting our newsletter, go to our website at Glenn, that's G-L-E-N-N, Dawson, E-A, dot com and click on newsletter. Folks, that completes our podcast this week. We'll see you again next week. Until then, God bless you. And remember, we, we love, love you all. You. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.